Welcome to Soul Traders, a podcast for photographers and freelancers who dream big and work hard. I'm Bo, a photographer and mentor. And I'm Amy, a content writer and marketing coach. Hey, Amy. Hi, Bo. Today, we are talking about copyright, crediting and licensing, um, which I think is going to be fascinating to get into. Um, Exciting for nerds. Yeah, it's a bit of a nerdy subject for Bo. Um, So everyone uses images these days. There's so many out there. Um, We all need images more than ever to market our businesses. We need them for our websites, for our social media, uh, to feed that hungry beast. Um, But what's the deal with copyright? Who owns those images that we're using? What's the etiquette for crediting the photographer of that image? And when you work with a photographer, do you own the copyright or is that an additional cost? So I'm obviously not a photographer, but luckily Bo is. Uh, and we're going to attempt to tackle uh, some of these issues and a lot of these um, of this sort of mysterious area around copyright. Um, we've actually asked our community this week on Facebook uh, and elsewhere Um for their questions around this issue. And we've, we had lots of responses. Um, so why don't we jump in? I think for me, uh, I come across this attitude a lot, Bo, um, that this is an issue that is only for photographers and for everybody else, um, you know, employing photographers and using those images, um, it's just not important for them to know this stuff. What would you say to that attitude? Um, well, I would say that it is important, but that's me. Um, and obviously for a photographer, it's really important for us to be able to maintain and create sustainable businesses so that we have the capacity to keep being employed. And part of that is the ownership of our copyright licensing images and the way that people credit us. So that's really important. And it is, that all comes down to other industries that we work parallel to. So sure, I can credit myself, that's fine. But what I actually need are people (laughs) in parallel industries to know when and if it's appropriate to do so. I also wanted to put a little bit of a caveat onto this episode. It's not um, a legal advice episode. And obviously, um, I don't have a background in law or any type of copyright law. So obviously You've if you... You've had to educate yourself um, a bit, haven't you, Bo? on Yeah, these and issues. I've really fumbled through it. That's why I think I might be so passionate about it because I've met, had to make so many mistakes and I didn't really... It's the sort of thing that I think photographers have had in the past a bit of a... A, a culture of keeping information closely guarded. What a and shame. It is a shame, but I guess that's, you know, look, times change and, you know, I find now photographers are much more collegiate. Yeah, so you've got to take what I'm saying with a grain of salt because I have learned these things through working, not through, you know, looking at contracts that have been written for me by a lawyer. You don't um, have those a law sorts degree. of things. I don't have a law degree. It's true. Um, so one of the things that I find with this stuff is because you you sort of like the way that we interact with the legal system in our everyday life, there's a level of interpretation in the legal system already. So, you know, with the way that we, and we don't always do, you know, like we might, you know, 
drive and not indicate or, you know, like we're always sort of pushing the rules a bit in every part of our life. Um, some I know you're others. a jaywalker, Bo, aren't you? Yeah, I don't. I'm jaywalker. I'm such a rebel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so in that sense, you know, it it's good to put that to put that caveat there i think also because there's so many different situations and again like when we talk about how as freelancers you're constantly in new versions of teams so i'm you know even this morning i was in a team meeting with a bunch of you know people i've never met and we're working on a project together and we're all now a whole bunch of freelancers trying to meet this project. And so I think one of the things that I found with photographers and with artists in general and creatives in general is they don't really know what their rights are. So when you don't know what your rights are, you don't really know when you're giving them away. Um, And that's, you know, I think it's fine. If you want to hand over your rights, you go for it, but you should know what they are first and be have full knowledge about that. I totally agree. Um, yeah, and different industries have got different bodies advocating for them on those issues. So filmmakers, you know, deal much more with moral rights um, that get assigned and waived. And, you know, then you have um, music and visual artists and, you know, they've all got their own bodies in arts law. And also to note that we do, amazingly, which I'm very excited about, we have a lot of international listeners. Um, so obviously we're in Australia And so I'm only speaking to Australian copyright law. But all of these industries come up against crediting, licensing, moral rights issues and copyright issues, whether you're a photographer, whether you're in music or whatever. So one of the things that this, um, when I put this question out into Facebook about what sorts of issues people have had um, as creators of content, a really interesting point came up and that was that it's all fine and dandy until you want to make a living from your work. And this person is a musician. So I really enjoyed that comment. And I thought that actually that's across the boards. There's also an element of cultural value around the arts that I think feeds into this. And that's, you know, that sense of, well, people are going to do it for free. So why would I pay you? And Mm. the reality is that makers going to make, you know, people are going to create. And some of those people are doing that as a hobby. And that's awesome because that all is part of the creative ecosystem but some people are also making a living so that's where when I talk to photographers who have been around for 20 30 40 years longer than me one thing they know all about is their licensing and they know about what their rights are and and so and that's in some ways why they're still there because yeah. that's, you know, a major part. And I used to get a bit resentful of how much time I spent working on licensing and sending these long, arduous emails. And then I thought, you know what, that's actually the price you pay for still being in the game at this stage. You know, I haven't di- tapped out because it's unsustainable and I'm not getting enough money or, you know, yeah. or work. So you haven't I think given up. I have not given up. I think Um, the other thing is like you're obviously facing, you know, having to um, educate your community and other freelancers and clients to an extent. But, you know, I like speaking as a non-photographer and I, I think I'm not the only one. I really want to do the right thing. You know, I've always been been that sort of person that wants to follow the rules. Um, Nerd. <laughs> and I don't think I'm the only one that I just, I, I want to do the right thing. And I honestly don't think I even know what that is. All right, let's 
get into these community questions. So, first one, if a photo already exists on the internet, isn't it free to use? Well... (laughs) That is really (laughs) common. And actually, we asked that in a number of forums and that question did come up. And the short answer is no. It doesn't mean that that doesn't happen. So obviously, you put things on the internet and people are going to screen grab them. They're going to end up on Pinterest. Your name's going to, you know, they're going to end up all over the place. So the reality is that the photographer does own the copyright and did not give you a license to use it. A lot of people still do it. So, um, and, you know, I would be also clear that most photographers don't have in their capacity a lawyer or someone to fight these fights for them. And I probably leave about 90% of the reuse of my images on the internet because they're not worth, like I could just turn that into a full-time job and it would actually feel really shitty. But there are, that 10%, I will chase them very hard because A, because if they're using the images to sell their product, I will pretty much run them down with pitchforks. If they're using the images in a way that has in no way, I guess, for me, I'm also like, I get more worked up about the commissioning client than I do about myself. Like, especially if it's an architect or an artist, they have put their heart, soul and months and months, sometimes years of their life into these projects. Um, And they've also commissioned me. the commissioning client, that would be the person who's hired you to take the photographs yeah, of that's their right. Yeah, work. so that's right. So they're – and they're the people that I go into bat very hard for as well. So, yeah, so the reality is, yeah, you can rip anything off the internet and you can reuse it. That's not – it's certainly not unheard of. It happens millions of times a day or week, I don't know. Um, but one of the things I would maybe – question about um, before you go to do that next time, rather than being fearful of me coming to chase you with a pitchfork, uh, you know, because that's obviously not sustainable for me to do all that running, but to think about the integrity of your business and who your audience and customers and colleagues and clients are, it's very likely if you're listening to this podcast that you already have um, an interest in other creative industries, maybe you're already working or you're you're actually a content creator or you're making original artworks or objects. So I would think about where you're going to position yourself in that creative ecosystem. One of the basic um, ways to think about it is if you, did you create the image? If the answer is yes, then post it. And If you didn't create the image, then you need to credit its provenance. One of the things that can be a little bit confusing about the create or credit um, hashtag and movement, although it's very good and I really like that it exists, is that it doesn't say in which scenarios crediting might not be able to suffice for the way that you're using the image. So this is a really common sort of example. Um, It's not an example. It has not come from a real situation. So, but I've just created this example. So say you are a ceramic artist and you've made a vase and that vase ended up in a shoot um, that I'm on, whether that was an architectural shoot or some other shoot. And I have credited you as the maker, or maybe I even own that vase, who knows? And then I bring it on the shoot and I credit you and I tag you on Instagram. If you use that image and you say, hey, 
here's this cool photo that Bo took in this amazing house that so-and-so designed. It's got my vase in it and I love it. It looks awesome. You know, so stoked to be part of this, you know, project or whatever. So that would be one way that would be like a pretty nice way to be able to reshare an image, an existing image. So you're crediting other people. You're also acknowledging the fact that you're, you've been part of someone else's project. If you, you take that image and you put a caption underneath it saying speckled glaze vase is now available online 20% off with the code <laughs> fuck you, Bo, that wouldn't be okay. So the reason that that wouldn't be okay is because you're using that image to market your own product in a way that is much more direct. So that's where I think people get a little bit confused. In saying that, you're using the image and the caption. The caption's what makes the difference there. It's the manner of of using it and how that's done and the sort of etiquette around how you've how you've done that. Yeah. So that's, that's, you know, and at that point you're, you're a third party and even though it's your work, even, I mean, that's why I'm using this example because I think that's what happens for a lot of creatives is they're like. So people are like, that's my vase. I made that. So, you know, I own all images of it. Yeah, I'm not trying to target vase people. I love vases, by the way. <laughs> love your work. Oh, love yeah. your work. I paid a photographer to shoot this, so why don't I own these images? This is a really good question because um, I think the way that we speak to one another would include the word own the image. And I think that's where, you know, as soon as anyone says the word, but I own something or who owns something, I'm always going to have a little, a few little alarm bells there because ownership of images is not like ownership of an object. It's not something that you, you know, you buy a um, you know, your speckled glaze vase and then you own that. It's It was still made by the maker. So in a scenario in Australia, an Australian photographer owns the copyright and everything they shoot um, from the moment they create that content. So um, we don't have to register. you need to say that again, we, Say it again. An Australian photographer, yeah, <laughs> owns the copyright of everything they shoot immediately on the creation of that content. That's why we don't need to, we can, but we don't need to use those copyright symbols in Australia, that little C where you option G on your um, on your keyboard. Um, we don't need to write copyright. This we, we, do, we still do and I think that's because we need to remind people but the reality is that even without any of that, we own the copyright of our images. So even if you, so when you say, I paid you to shoot this, why don't I own the images? Yes, that's true. You did commission the images. So what usually happens is that you have commissioned the photographer to shoot the images. They own the copyright and you then own a license to use those images. Even if you are in that image, even if your project is in that image, you will very unlikely own the copyright. I don't work in advertising. So again, with the caveat about my own working experience, there's some different um, rules for different um, payment structures that people make, um, but something like copyright really never shifts from the photographer. The one expressly different scenario is when I shoot for federal and state government organisations. In those scenarios, my images are immediately copyrighted to the government. Um, so actually most of my work, the majority of my work comes through government through because it's you know, arts organisations and 
museums and stuff like that. So those sorts of contracts, you won't see me really sharing a lot of those images on my website or on my Instagram account because the copyright is a little bit too touchy for me yeah, to share, to advertise myself. So that's unusual. So in that's pretty for rare. the yeah, for the purpose of this podcast, I would say you 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 won't own the images. What you own is a license to use the images and and you usually should um, be agreeing on that prior to the shoot. So, all right, um, let's go into the next question. Why do I have to credit you all the time? Isn't payment enough? <laughs> yeah, payment is awesome. So there's a saying in uh, photography land and it's called dying of exposure and that's where people say they want to use your images for free but they'll credit you. So I always you know, thank you so much for offering me to offering to credit me for my own images, which you would have to credit me for anyway, but you'll also have to pay. So one thing I'd say, yeah, payments is great. That is how we all, you know, we do need to make a financial transaction. The crediting stuff comes down to good collegiate collaborative behaviour, I think. So one of the things, again, looking back again at the idea of like where you're sitting in that creative ecosystem. If you value your own unique design work, then it would stand to reason that you would also value other people's unique work. And I think that when you position yourself like that, when you position yourself as a collaborator and a collegiate person or business, it gives you a sort of, I think it separates you from the pack. Basically. It gives you an edge, doesn't um, it? If you're seen to be, I think to be it does. Champion, championing, is that it? Champignon. Are you talking about <laughs> mushrooms? Um, anyway, so the thing is that you might have a licensing agreement, and it's highly unlikely that you will have to credit on things like your website or promotional material. But you're very likely to have to credit on social media, definitely in editorial spreads with magazines. And usually for awards and grants, um, they want to know who the photographer is because the people who run those awards and grants want to be able to use the images if you win that. And a lot of awards won't accept your entry without um, an agreement from the photographer. So, yeah, so looking at your licensing agreement and if the question is why do I have to credit you all the time, an easy answer might just be it's in your licensing agreement. That's what you bought. Again, would you, you know, would you like to be credited when, um, if I use those images on my website to showcase my own photographic fanciness, would you like to be credited? And the answer is probably yeah, yes. I think you probably um, would. So I will do that for you. Please do it for me. And it works in that sort of reciprocal way. And I know that it doesn't always, you know, especially with websites and stuff, it can be very clunky. I mean, if it's a banner on your website, it would be very clunky to have a, cre a photo credit on something like that. And I know, and that's fine. That's built into most of the licensing agreements that you don't have to credit on your own website and your own promotional material that you publish to promote yourself. That is what you've, that's what you've bought. So yeah. You can do so it that, though. The work around there, what I've done with websites is have a page, you know, everybody has those pages on their websites with privacy policies and all those sort of backgrounds stuff that people may never read or your about page or whatever. Um, and you can actually put credits somewhere there on that page, like, you know, front page images by blah, you know, that's a little workaround. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, and I, say for someone, 
Sorry, just a quick one. For someone like you and your type of work, that would probably be fine. But I would say for people who are um, working in industries that rely very heavily on photographers, um, and I'm thinking about architecture in particular, they're much more likely to credit on their on their website as well because it also, again, it, it is such a collaborative um, way of working. So, yeah. Just a comment here. I love this whole theme of the creative um, ecosystem, the collaborative sort of approach and the um, just this idea of, of a community, being part of a community. And I think it leads on really mm. well to this quest- next question, uh, which is I've worked with other photographers before and I didn't have to credit them. So what's the deal with that? Yeah, that's a really – that's something that I get – oh, not a lot anymore but certainly – earlier on when I first started looking at ways of having my work credited properly and and understanding licensing and I know that other photographers get this all the time because I have conversations with people. One of the things that happens for people working in a lot of the time it's people in PR and marketing and communication sort of roles, they're a kind of, you know, there's, I think there's an issue with their educational, the way that they've been, you know, there's just, they're probably the most likely to not understand um, licensing agreements. One of the other reasons that it's likely that you have worked with a photographer who um, hasn't asked you to credit and hasn't done a licensing agreement with you is because that they didn't know. They may have been educated at a TAFE, at a uni or at a private college. None of those places are going to go in depth into a working knowledge of licensing. And that's not in any way a dig at the educational institutions. It's just, you know, you're learning so much other stuff there. And really, you know, it's difficult when people are still students to know, I guess, what area of photography they'll actually end up in. So absolutely not a dig at those places, but it's just not taught, I think, particularly well. And I know that because you can see it as soon as you go out in the industry. And the other thing is that a lot of photographers actually don't come from institutions at all. They're self-taught. And so they've sort of, you know, come in through graphic design or some other area And, you know, like a lot of early on photographers, they're just stoked to have a job and to be paid for a job. Um, So it feels like asking for crediting and asking for, um, you know, putting out a standard licensing agreement all seems like you might put people offside. And I think that's a real problem because it means that you come to the next photographer, there's an expectation that that photographer will be happy to hand over all their rights and then they get to someone like me and they're, and people are genuinely befuddled by the fact that I'm saying to them, no, this is the agreement that you've already made. And usually I don't have that issue afterwards because I spend so much time going through this stuff prior to shoots with people and by the time we're actually on the shoot, we're all on the same page, it's all good. But, yeah, I think that's also one of the reasons people who work in PR or marketing might have worked with a company who maybe paid advertising rates now they're with some smaller bespoke agency and they can't afford that and they don't realise that the licensing agreement shifts and with the amount of money that you're paying the photographer. So they're also not Can used to that. Can you just clarify, and does that mean if it, they may have been using it an agreement um, where they were paying more advertising rates and that included the copyright of those images? So the agreement was that the photographer was handing... No, it wouldn't have included the copyright. Right. So usually 
so say if you want to take my name, so usually people pay me in such a way that their licensing agreement includes crediting of me. If I were to double my day rate, then it's in all likelihood the the commissioning client would have the opportunity to remove my name and do and like have a much more broad, like have a lot more broader use. But it, right. that's not something I personally come up against too much because of the kind of photography I do and because I work within that creative world already. So I'm not working outside of outside of that space basically. But your average photographer who um, might shoot an ad for a car, like their name isn't attached on that advertisement to having shot those that's images right. for that fancy car. Yeah, that's gotcha. right. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, this is an inter- interesting one, this next one. I've worked in architecture and I think it can be very complex when there's a lot of different parties involved. So this is a great question. I'm an architect and I've paid for the shoot of my project. I've worked very closely with the builder. They were amazing. And I told them they could have the photos once they're finished. And the ca- the company who did the carpentry went above and beyond to get this project done in time. And I said, I definitely email him the photos when they're done, but they have to credit you. This is pretty common, I guess, when you're shooting a project that has a number of vested interests and architecture would be the most obvious and common example of that. Usually images are commissioned by an architect um, for me anyway, so other people might have be commissioned by other parts of the project, but in my scenario that would be a usual case. That architect is very unlikely to have a licensing agreement that means that they can then hand those images to other commercial enterprises. So even if, and I think what happens is that, you know, people sort of go, oh, you're having the you know, so-and-so is already shooting the project. So when the images are done, they'll just email them to me and then I'll use them. And also say when people also want to be able to, I guess, maybe thank other tradespeople who went above and beyond or, you know, some sort of other lighting company who pushed forward all the deadlines to make this project And there's that work hunger for architect- content. Like everybody needs That's content. Right. Yeah. So, Often when an architect and builder work together a lot, a lot, they can come in on a licensing agreement that means that prior to the shoot that everybody agrees that they're already in and that usually adds 20, around 20% to the shoot, the day rate of the shoot and then there's two separate licensing agreements. So they or, split the fee in a sense in some way. Yeah, so you plus 20%, then they split, They can split it down the middle, they can split it however they want. And that can go right. to the third party, a fourth party. Some photographers add um, a flat fee, so it might be like $400. But other photographers will sort of say, oh, it's between 10 and 20% of my day rate for each third party that's going to be right. coming in licensing on this project. So if nobody else comes in on the project and it is a single commissioning client, then other parties, so say if they, you know, there's a beautiful use of brick and a specific type of brick um, in that particular project, a brick company can come forward and say, we want to use the images and they'll pay a licensing fee. And that might be anywhere between 120 and 250 bucks 
marks per image, let's say, as a ballpark of what I know, you know, from myself and what other photographers charge. And so if they want 10 images, then they're looking at over $1,000. But a lot of other companies that might be something like the flooring company or the lighting company or the person that did the landscaping or the timber battens in the stairwell or whatever, they only really want one or two images. So they might just pay per image. Um, So one of the things that, yeah, so that's basically how it works as far as I know. And that's, you know, from talking to other photographers, um, that that's, that's my understanding of how everybody works. And that's how, that's actually how um, photographers make um, I've got a really nice anecdote from from an architectural photographer who, when I asked this person about licensing, they said that they the licensing part of their business, so the on selling of those images to other companies, works out to about twenty thousand dollars per year. Um, really? Of, so of their business, and this person, the way they saw it, for the amount of shoot days they do that's how much it costs for them to have an assistant on with them on shoot days. So, you know, lots of photographers cut their teeth as assistants for someone else. Um, you don't get paid a heap, but you certainly learn a lot and, um, and you still get paid. And this person said to me, the reason I fight so hard for the licensing costs is because I see it as a way of being able to give someone else a job and also to play my part in the industry of bringing people up. And I was like, wow, that's an amazing, Mm. yeah, so that's an interesting, it was also just another, you know, that's the way that that photographer saw it and I really liked that. That's another uh, sort of layer to it, isn't it? Um, Okay, Uh, this next question is really practical. It is, I'm not sure exactly what I want to do with all of the images and I want to be free to change my mind. Like if the design of my website changes or I want to send images to magazines, what if I can't clarify all of that before the shoot? I say no wackers. Don't worry about it. That's fine. Um, a lot of people don't know. Like some people employ me and they say, oh, I've got this thing for the awards or, you know, it's got a really specific outcome. But a lot of projects that I work on, they're also working some of the project outcomes are happening as I'm shooting and it's being directed by the photograph. So I understand that people don't always know exactly what they're going to be doing with the images, but I generally just ask people to be, I guess, upfront about it. And usually where it's not really a confrontational conversation, it's just an informal chat that we're having while I'm working or prior to, you know, in our emails about this and that. And, you know, they'd said, oh, and then that magazine actually contacted me recently. And, and I was wondering about that thing. And, you know, I can also help um, like advise with ways of getting your work out there, um, ways of making it easier for publishers to publish your work. You know, I want you as my client to succeed. I want you to do really well. So I don't want to hamper you and say, no, there's so many rules. You've paid all this money for your photos and now you can only use them in the way that I want you to use them. Like that's not a way that's going to get me any more work. So in that sense, it's about being from my perspective, really open and encouraging of all of my clients to be able to, you know, when they have those images, I want them to go as far as possible. I want them to absolutely work for that client. Like I want them to last for as long as possible and do as many jobs for them as possible. So, um, yeah, I would say don't worry about that. It's very unlikely that you'll end up in a situation where it would suddenly be costing more. It's very 
that's unusual. But say if you were then, you know, if you're then using the images to promote another business or you, yeah, I guess that's similar to the architecture one where you're distributing the images, you don't have a distribution license, but you have the option of, you can distribute them in the non-legal sense of the word in in the sense that you send them out to people hoping to promote yourself um, and with, for people who are going to promote you, um, but you don't have what's called a distribution licence, for example, but that would be unusual. So I would say if you don't know what you're going, exactly what you're going to do, don't worry about it. Just put it under a big banner called marketing collateral, which is what I, I don't know where I stumbled across that term, but I use it all the time. And it's just like an overarching term that's like, you just, you know, you might be doing social media, it could be websites, could be this, could be that, it's totally fine. But it's Most all of the promoting it's, you, your yeah, business. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I feel like I've learned heaps, Bo, in this conversation and the practical examples are really helping me. But if you could give me just one takeaway um, from this conversation, what what would you say to people approaching this around this issue of copyright and image licensing? Um think about how you're going to position yourself in that creative ecosystem. Um, so, yeah, you can, as I was saying from the first question, yeah, images do exist on the internet. Yeah, you can screen grab them and turn them into something else. Like nobody is stopping you from doing that. But what you might find is that you might hit a bit of a wall when it comes to the sort of people you want to work with and the kind of direction that you want your work to be going. You might find that people don't look, you know, they don't look kindly on it. Like it's not, it's not considered collegiate basically. So yeah, so that's how I would pretty much, you know, and the create or credit stuff is, is also really helpful, but it's not, the be all and end all really. So um, I've got some resources um, that we're going to put into the show notes. I get a lot of my information if I am a bit stuck from arts law and they are really helpful. You can get a yearly subscription and with that subscription you get a um, you can get a number of templates. So what you can do is you can say if you're a photographer or a visual artist of some kind or a musician, um, you can basically get templates for um, model release forms or, you know, things like that. And that, so that's really valuable um, and really useful for you. Um, the other resource is the Australian Copyright Council. They also have heaps of great downloadable PDFs. If you're in Perth, i personally have never um, needed or used a lawyer, but um, there's a guy called Michael Tusak who works at a place, I think it's called Creative Legal. I'll, I'll double check everything before it ends up in the show notes. Um, and he is very active in the community. Um, I see him on panels. I see him, yeah, working with the arts community and, and making a he massive a effort reputation. there and bringing, yeah, bringing in that sort of legal framework. And also Amy mentioned this to me before, which I didn't realise. I didn't know who created the create or credit hashtag. And um, uh, it's a person called Catherine Wilson and they are an ex- IP as in intellectual property lawyer and um and we'll put an a uh, link to the in the show notes to article that Amy read and just yeah that sounded I guess where the idea came from and how this person got to a lot of it. the same complexities I think that we've been discussing today yeah so I would say um so don't be afraid of asking. I think it's always worth checking. And the other thing about with digital media, you can always, you know, like it's 
it's so easy to credit people and tag them in. And actually it's better for your Instagram account or whatever to be tagging people in because, you know, and then they might the share algorithm images loves it. and tag you. And yeah, so I think, you know, it's not difficult to tag and um, to credit people. It's not difficult to be nice. Um, what, what's that saying about, you know, ma- manners don't cost a thing or something? <laughs> I don't know, some something old like that. people saying. Um, in that sense, I think it is fair to say that it doesn't it doesn't cost you anything. Um, in fact, it will probably bring you rewards. So, um, yeah, so enjoy and use images and photographers want you to use their images. So, yeah, we're always looking for ways to work together and, and lift each other's, um, lift each other's, what do you call, boats? Lift, rising tide. Rising tide. <laughs> rising tide lifts all boats. Thanks, yeah, everyone. That sounds great. Yeah, thanks, Amy. Thanks for all, and thanks to all the community for bringing forward those questions. That was great. Talk soon, Bo. See you later. See you.